Paul says goodbye to the elders at Ephesus on his way to Rome and leaves some good leadership pointers and even some good followership tips. As I was thinking on these things, the last episode, as I was living it, <laughs> I came to reading in my own my daily time with the Lord. I came to reading Acts, the twentieth chapter, and I believe this speaks to to the situation. Paul is on his way to Rome. And he says goodbye to the elders of Ephesus. So you could tell by the letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesus church was more well-developed and had, one might guess, more mature elders. Anyway, he doesn't stop in Ephesus, but calls them to him. And he says some things about himself, and then he gives them some advice. And in both cases, I think this is good advice for leaders. So, not my words, but Paul's. And I happen to be reading in the Passion Translation, which I'm not going to give an apology for, but that's just what I was reading. And so it was this that was quickened to me. So I'll read it from the Passion. Acts chapter 20 and verse 13. Continuing our journey, we made our way to the ship and sailed for Assos. Paul had previously arranged to meet us there as he traveled overland by foot. So he rejoined our team there and we took him aboard and sailed for Mytilene. The next day we crossed over to Chios and the following day we arrived at the island of Samos and we stayed at Trogilium and on the day after we reached Miletus. Paul was in a hurry to arrive in Jerusalem, excuse me, he's going to Jerusalem, hoping to make it in time for the Feast of Pentecost. So he decided to bypass Ephesus and not spend any time in that region. However, from Miletus, Paul had sent a message to the elders of the church in Ephesus and asked them to come meet with him. When they arrived, he said to them, All of you know how I've lived and conducted myself while I was with you. From the first day I set foot in western Turkey, I've operated in God's miracle power with great humility and served you with many tears. I've endured numerous ordeals because of the plots of the Jews. You know how I've taught you in public meetings and in your homes, and that I've not held anything back from you that would help you grow. I urged both Jews and non-Jews to turn from sin to God and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am captive to the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem without really knowing what will happen to me there. Yet I know that the Holy Spirit warns me in town after town, saying chains and afflictions are prepared for you. But whether I live or die is not important, for I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny, finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. 
I've been part of your lives and shared with you many times the message of God's kingdom realm. But now I leave you, and you will not see my face again. For if any of you should be lost, I will not be blamed, for my conscience is clean, because I've taught you everything I could about God's eternal plan, and I've held nothing back. So guard your hearts, be true shepherds over all the flock, and feed them well. Remember, it was Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, whom He purchased and established by His own blood. I know that after I leave, impostors who have no loyalty to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. Even some among your very own ranks will rise up, twisting the truth to seduce people into following them instead of Jesus. So be alert and discerning. Remember that for three years, night and day, I've never stopped warning each of you, pouring out my heart to you with tears. And so now I entrust you into God's hand and the message of his grace, which is all you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. I haven't been after your money or any of your possessions. You all know that I've worked with my hands to meet my own needs and the needs of those who've served with me. I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught, giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. And after Paul finished speaking, he knelt down and prayed with him. And then they all cried with great weeping as one after another hugged Paul and kissed him. And what broke their hearts the most were his words, you will not see my face again. And then they tearfully accompanied Paul back to the ship. I think this has a great deal of instruction for us. So let's go through it in chronological order, as it were. You know how I have lived and conducted myself. Man's life, a person's life, is instructive. No matter how good a preacher he may seem to be, if his personal life is not ethical, is not godly, just shaking my head, right? You know how I have lived and conducted myself while I was with you. And you should know those who lead you. From the first day I set foot in Turkey, I operated in God's miracle power. This is how we should be. This is how all of us should be. With great humility. It's very hard to find either one of these, let alone together. Let us do this. I've endured numerous ordeals because of persecution. It has been said, if you're not making someone happy, you haven't been preaching the full gospel. If someone's not upset with you, you haven't been doing very much. 
he endured numerous ordeals. So often, in places where the Word of God or the ministry of God is respected, the ministry is treated like princes. And it's good to respect those who labor among you, but you should expect to endure ordeals. And it can't be clear sailing. If you're speaking the truth, the lie is going to hate you. you. We cannot be greater than our master. But we can choose a life of ease. This is not the highest. And you know how I've taught you in public meetings and in your homes. If one is to be a great minister of God, one would be teaching both publicly and privately. And there are some who would like to be rulers without doing the work. Now, if someone is a great manager in business affairs, that's a good thing and we need that. And there are a variety of callings. But no one can be great without putting effort into it. So in the group that listens to this, we have just one or two positions, two title positions, whereas, so there are other people who are very serious about God and live together on farms, and they have a farm head, and then they have a pastor, or pastors, or bishops. But anyway, there is some honor accorded to the one in Hutterite, for instance, they have the farm head. So it's honor with the one who is coordinating and managing the practical affairs. And they don't expect the pastor to be the best farmer. Right? So there might be a better way to give more honor to diversity of callings. But you know that I've taught you in public meetings and have not held anything back. And if you wish to have honor as pastor, then you need to be doing competent preaching and teaching and competent counseling if you wish to be a pastor. So what I'm saying is twofold. First, diligence for honor and work in the right category for the right title. And by extension, if somebody can't manage their own life, don't let them manage yours. If they can't manage their family, don't let them manage yours. If they can't manage doctrine, don't let them determine your faith. Honor is earned by diligent, contributed gifts and calling. This is not about obtaining a rank. 